Not too awkward, you're fine. <laughs> All right. Got a bit of um, feedback here, I think. Is it okay if I stand here, sound people? <laughs> Seems like it. Is it okay? I think so. Yes, what a wonderful start to um, our first time at Rhenish. I must say, I'm just so excited to actually be here. It feels so different. Uh, I don't know if it's just me, but it just has a different feeling to it. And I was reminded of uh, those of you who were with us. Uh, we've moved, as Staley's PM, we've moved venues a couple of times. And at one stage, we had the same as now, where we had four o'clock meeting in one venue, because we could only do a certain amount, and six o'clock at SCARES. And I remember rushing up from four to six to SCARES. And when you would get to SCARES, there was just something of the presence of God at SCARES. Anyone who was there during that time, a couple of you, felt like when we were there, you just stepped into God's presence more easily. And I wonder if there's something sometimes of just a place where we can even ask God, Lord, won't you? I know He resides in our hearts and He resides everywhere, but almost consecrate a place and say, make this holy ground for you. And um, I'm trusting that this will be a place like that, that when we step in here, even if there's a school year, even if there's other things that happen here, that we would trust God that this would even be holy ground for us, that as we come here, that we would easily step into His presence. Amen. Amen. So it's wonderful. There was a lot of prophetic words. We didn't get a chance to share all of them, a lot of confirmations. So if you didn't get a chance, sorry about that, but it felt like God speak about a submission of our hearts. And I think today when we speak about this, I think it's going to challenge us in that, in that way to submit our hearts before God. So Lily Jean can come stand here. She had a dream that she sent me, and I just thought it's applicable for the message that's going to be shared. It'll make more sense later on. So just listen to this, take cognizance, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, so in the dream, um, it was a huge crowd in this huge building, and we were all worshiping. And this guy who was leading the meeting, he came up on stage and he pointed to a little kid and he said, I feel that you have a word for us. And the kid ran up on stage with excitement and he shared the word. I don't really rem I don't remember hearing the word, but I just remember after he shared it, I looked back and everyone was just on the floor, filled with the Lord's presence and not one person untouched. And I felt the Lord say to me, um, it's because of his excitement to obey me that, um, that everyone was filled with my presence. And then we carried on worshiping, and the leader pointed to a group, and he um, sent someone to go ask them to either change their tops or cover their tops. And they were a bit confused, and then another group to take off their shoes. And they were also very confused, like, what, why would he ask us this? This is so small and so silly. Um, but it was just like in the dream, I was in this group, and he, I just was filled with this conviction to do as they asked. And it was, it was like this weird little thing, but we did it. And again, the whole crowd was just filled with the Lord's presence, and like not one person again, not one person untouched. Yeah. Wonderful. So I just want to pray as well before I share, but I think this is going to be just listen to that word. I think it says two things. It's an excitement to submit your heart before what the Lord asks you, maybe through people. And then secondly, it's even obeying when we don't understand and knowing that then the God, God will bless us, His Spirit will come upon us. So just keep that in mind because I think later in this message it will be quite applicable. And I think it's the Lord speaking. Felt like there were 10 people wanting to share words and so many of them said exactly the same thing. So let me pray. God, we thank you for your presence as we come together here. 
We thank you for blessing us with this incredible new venue, Lord, that we get to worship you unrestrained, Lord, without pews. Hallelujah, God. We're so, so thankful for the pews that are gone, Lord. <laughs> Lord, we can't wait to at some stage also push these chairs away and just worship you freely and fully. We can't wait for times in your presence here more and more, Lord. We can't wait for salvations to take place, for baptisms to take place outside in the quad, uh, Lord, for lives to be changed and transformed, for us to see more of you, Lord. We can't wait. And we just consecrate this place. We consecrate ourselves to you, and we say, come and work, God. You are Lord. We submit. We gladly submit our hearts to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So I, um, I want to start with sharing something that I have shared with some of you, uh, but if you've, if you've listened to me preaching over the, over the last while, you would have seen that, that something's changed in me, and it's not, it's not more of God, but it's, it lets me think of that scripture, uh, more, of, more of Him and less of me. And what you would have noticed is there's been a bit less of me lately, just a little bit less in this front area, <laughs> as um, I've tried to apply that scripture really practically. I've tried to make it less of me. <laughs> and the, I, I signed up a while ago. Some of you, I say, Isak, I see Isak sitting here again. He's doing these classes with me. But I signed up a while ago for these um, classes called Sweat. It's basically one of my friend's teasers. He says it's the Sweat Angels because it's a bunch of girls, and sometimes I'm the only guy. But I'm okay with it. I'm manly enough to admit that I need it, and I want to go to these classes. <laughs> And slowly but surely, more guys have been coming to join. But I just quickly want to tell you, I, I've been going through these classes. I'm going to stop now because our little girl's coming, and I just, I'm not going to have time to breathe, basically. But, so I won't be able to go there for a, for a bit. But the time that I was going there, there was one thing that really stuck out for me. And it was during this time, I, I remember one time missing a class. And now, just remember, these are classes that I pay for. No one gives it to me for free. I need to pay to be there. And I'm making commitments. I can go four times a week. I have to sign up on a little app, and I can say these are the times that I can go exercise. And one time, I did not pitch up. And then the next day, I get this email saying, please, next time you don't come, let us know. We would appreciate it. And something in me wanted to say, the audacity. <laughs> I'm paying for this. What do you mean I need to let you know? If I don't want to pitch up, I've paid for my place. <laughs> I paid for my place. What if I want to just not be there? That's my choice, is it not? And I just realized, I, I thought about that. It was sort of stuck in my mind, and next time I could not make a class, I remembered, oh, shucks, I need to let them know, and I actually let them know. And it became a habit from that moment. I need to let them know. And I, I kept thinking of this moment, and I realized that is the world, and then sometimes when we come to the church, that is not acceptable within the church. When something like that happens within the church, there's this sense of control and the sense of people asking me more than I want to give. And, and sometimes it's really challenging for us to give that in the church to say, why should I let you know if I can't come to church? Why should I let you know if I can't come to community? But I want to say the world actually asks those things of us. And I think some of us, because of a backlash from the world and because of a, an anti-authority, I think, era that we're growing up in, when the church comes to a place of asking something from you, asking for commitments, asking, as I'm going to speak about today, asking that you would give yourself to church, I think something, something in many of us say, yeah, I will, but isn't it my choice? You want to say, the audacity that you would ask me <laughs> to commit like that, and I want to say, I think biblically, 
I want to look at that concept biblically because I think there's something of a commitment to Christ that translates into a commitment to His local church. And I want to look at this biblically today. I'm going to go through a bunch of scriptures because I, I, want, to, I want to ground this for you biblically. I, I think some people would think that Josh Chen is just one of those churches that asks a lot. I want to say I don't think we ask enough. People come here and you say, oh, wow, this church. If I don't pitch up, someone follows up with me and they, they speak about money, they speak about tithing, which actually every time we say, please, if you're a visitor, we don't want your money. But for some people, you come here and you're like, yo, this church really wants me all in. I want to say, amen, hallelujah, we want you all in. <laughs> and when we compare ourselves to other churches, it seems like there's a higher commitment level in Josh Chain than other churches. But I want to say, we are not to compare with other churches. We are to compare with the Bible. And I think if I compare us to the Bible, if I compare this group of people sitting in front of me and Josh Chen at large to the church in the, early in the early New Testament, I want to say I think there was a different level of commitment and devotion there that I think we still have a lot to learn. But our culture plays against us. Our culture says the audacity that people would ask something like that. And I want to show you today that I don't think it's people asking. I think God is asking us to up our commitment levels. Okay. This is not a preach to try and control you. As any preach the Bible teaches, I can only share what I see in the Word of God. What you do with it is up to you. I can't persuade you. I can try my very best to open up the Word of God to you and show you, and I'm trusting today that that will happen. So I want to start with a bit of church history, just to give you an idea of where the church has come from, because I think it will give you a good idea for why I believe a lot of the church, hear me out, quote unquote, in the mess that we are in. Why we get people today who are saved, but are not given to the local church, and why we have people who are in the local church, but are not saved. Because you know we get both of those, right? And I want to show you from church history where that actually comes from. Now, in the early church, the first 300 years of Christianity, I think was probably some of the most radical, purest Christianity that ever existed. Were there faults, mistakes? You betcha. <laughs> there was a lot of it. The church, if you leave the church, it will always go astray unless it, it aligns itself again to the Word of God. So it did go astray, but it was a bunch of radical people. And one of the reasons people were so radical in their devotion to the Lord in the early New Testament and in the first 300 years of church history was because of persecution. If you wanted to be a Christian, you could not be a nominal Christian because you could die for professing to be a Christian in the early New Testament. The reason was that in the Roman Empire, who was the controlling empire in the beginning, in the first 300 years after Christ, the, the, it, was a, it was a pantheistic um, society, meaning they were really open to everyone having their own God. Sort of like we're in today, actually. It's like, you can all do your own thing, just don't say one of them is the only one. That's fine. We're actually heading back to where we were there. But anyway, they were, they were a pantheistic society, meaning everyone can, um, can bring their own God and can worship their own God. We're okay. We're not, we're not saying you must worship a specific God. And they had this temple called the Pantheon. And the Pantheon was basically that when the Roman Empire would conquer a different nation, a new nation, they would come to this temple and they would say, okay, now you can bring your God, quote unquote, your little statue or your little 
whatever you worship, bring it into the pantheon, and then we all worship all the gods together. The one ex- exception in that time were the Jews, because the Jews said, but we, we don't serve many gods, we only serve one god. And what the Romans did in that time is they actually, I think because of the, the wealth and the influence of the Jews, they allowed the Jews to be classified as atheists during that time. So they didn't persecute the Jews, they just left them to their own devices and said, you can do your own thing, we'll, we'll just call you an atheist. The rest of us will come together in the pantheon and we'll worship everyone's God. And then out of Judaism, Christianity sprung. And for the first little while when Jesus was on earth and just after, Christians were left alone because they were seen as Jews that just went Jew 2.0, basically. That's what they thought. That's what they thought. So they're like, no, we're going to leave you. It's fine. We leave you with the atheists. And slowly but surely, Christianity started exploding. More and more people got saved. People got baptized by the thousands as they got saved. And as that happened, they started realizing that Christianity is something different to Judaism. And they said Christianity teaches that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And they started persecuting the Christians. You'll see some of the, the, um, the emperors during that time, a guy, very famous one called Nero, basically was, um, any of you know what ripping a CD is? Any of like the old people? Okay, the old people. <laughs> you took a CD. Anyone know what a CD is in here? <laughs> it's like music on a little disc thingy, Okay. <laughs> I remember having a program on my computer where you would take a CD, put it on your computer, and then you'd be able to put it on another CD. You'd rip it or burn it. <laughs> and you would, and the program that was used was called Nero Burner. Now, that is so dodgy because Nero was an emperor in the early days of Christianity that took Christians, and for his parties, he would dip them in tar put them on poles, and he would burn them for light for his parties. So the word martyr, meaning someone who dies, started becoming a word specifically used for Christians who died because of their belief in Jesus. So if you stood up and said, I'm a Christian, like we can do so freely today, but the time is coming where we can't do it as freely anymore. I'm a Christian, and I believe in Jesus Christ as the only way you could become a martyr. And so many people were killed for their faith in early Christianity, but the church flourished. Let me tell you, when pressure is there, Christianity many times flourishes. Not always, but many times. Look at the church in China. They are exploding, but they're not allowed to be church there. God's people, God's true people, when there's quality of believers, people who really love God and not their lives, the church of Jesus Christ and those who are truly in the faith, it explodes. Evangelism just goes wild. You can't crush the Spirit of God. You cannot do it. Then in the year, around about the year 300 AD, a guy called Constantine comes into the picture. And Constantine, there's a lot of debates in church history of whether this guy actually got saved or not, but he was a very important guy. He had a town, a city called Constantinople later on, so he was an emperor as well. And he was initially against the Christians, but one day, we don't know if this is true, He had a dream about Jesus appearing to him, a cross appearing to him, and the words, you will conquer by the cross. 
And so what he did is, for the first time, before that, church and state were completely separate. If you were a Christian, you had, it had nothing to do with the state. You had different Christian rulers or different religious rulers than you had state rulers. But when this guy got, again, quote-unquote, saved, he said Christianity will now become the religion of our area. And everyone who is under me, you will be a Christian. So where we get the word christening basically comes from making a Christian, not by faith, by saying you, you are now part of the church just because you live here. And since then, I think people have this misperception that we need to be a Christian country. I'm like, we can't be a Christian country. It wasn't a good thing then. It won't be a good thing now because what happened was the quality, the quantity of the church went up. Suddenly, everyone is in the church. Suddenly, everyone's a Christian. You have to be a Christian. And when they conquer a new country, they say, okay, now you are Christians as well. Baptize all of them. Baptize their babies. If you want to, don't get me started on infant baptism, but infant baptism, a lot of it flourishes in state churches, where there were state churches, where church and state is jumbled up. Because now, when you get baptized as a baby, you become not only a Christian, but now you're part of the state. You're part of the Roman Empire. And so they would go, and everywhere they would conquer, they would say, okay, now you're Christian. Something called the Crusades, one of the most horrible stains on Christianity in the history of the world. It, it, they would go around and make people Christian by conquering them and shedding blood and say, now you're a Christian. How horrible. But from that moment on, church and state would become one. Constantine was the head of the church and also the head of the state. To this day, the Pope in Roman Catholicism is not only the head of the church, but the Vatican, where he lives, is a state as well. It's the smallest little country. It's like this little tiny country. But he is the head of that country, and head of state as well. Head of the church, head of the state, and the two became one. The problem with that is that now we get it jumbled up. Because I can be in the church, but I'm not necessarily saved. I haven't given my life to Jesus, but I'm part of the church. Because I have to be. Or, on the other hand... I can be saved. Later on, people would start lashing out against it and say, but the church is full of hypocrites. It's full of fakes. It's not true Christianity. And people started withdrawing from the church and saying, well, I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm not going to be in the church. And that is never how God destined it to be. His hope has always been that it would be one, that every Christian who would be born again would not be born again in isolation. And his hope would not be that the church would be full of the world, said we are to go in the world but not be of this world. But the church is for Christians, it's not for the world. We are not to make, we are not to be seeker sensitive and try and make the church the most comfortable place ever. We are there to grow as Christians. The church is for Christians. And unfortunately, over the years, what's happened in these, there's come this divide. Where nowadays there's two steps in your Christianity. One is I get saved. Step two is I decide whether I join a church or not. Where I think we are to return to the first 300 years. If I'm a Christian, I become part of, I'm going to go through two concepts now. I become part of the universal church. Every Christian in the world is part of the universal church. But automatically there was no Christian that lived in isolation back then. They all, out of that revelation, gave themselves to a local church as well. Because the one is only theory, the one is only in your heart, the one plays itself out in practice. So what is the church? 
And how are we to give ourselves to the church? Because this is not a church, obviously. Those of you who come from the 6 p.m. service where we were in the United Church, that's not a church. We should actually not call it a church. We should actually change our language and just say it's the United Building. And uh, those of you who come out of traditional churches, I come out of the Dutch Reformed Church, we would, we would call the building we meet in, we'd call that the church. But actually, that is so totally wrong. The church is the people of God. And when we look at the definition of church and what the Bible says about church and how we are to give ourselves to the church, it's good that we go back to the Bible definition. So the best person to consult on what the church means is probably Jesus, right? That's good. Amen. <laughs> Jesus used the word church. is a long explanation, but he actually, the word church, it came later in, in history, actually. But he used the word ecclesia, the word that we have for church today. Ecclesia basically means called out for a purpose. So he used a normal word, a normal word that was used in everyday society. If there was a riot in the streets, that was ecclesia. It was a group coming together for a specific purpose. He took a word in the world and he, he brought it in and he redefined it to say, to say, this is what I mean church to be. He used the word ecclesia only twice. Only twice. I want to look at those two scriptures. The one time he used it was for the universal church. I'm, I'm teaching today more than I'm preaching. I'm, I'm going through a few concepts here. The universal church is basically the invisible church, we call it. It is every person who is truly saved in the world, whether they're in a local church or not. We are sitting here today. I don't know if all of you are part of the universal church because I can't see into your heart. I don't know if all of you have given your lives to the Lord yet. I'm trusting you will, and hopefully even today after the service, we'll give you an opportunity of coming to a point of repentance and giving your life over to the Lord, coming in repentance and faith towards Him. Everyone who's done that and is in the Lord across the world is part of the universal church, the the um, universal church. Did I just say that? <laughs> the invisible church, the universal church. It's synonyms, basically. <laughs> so the first, first one, Jesus refers to that. And the second one, he refers to the local church. He refers to both, actually. So Matthew 16, verse 18, from the second part. Speaking to Peter, but he says um, from the second sentence, and he is that the right one now? Yes. He says, Peter has this revelation that Jesus is the Christ, right? So what do we build the church on? Do we build it on good coffee? Uh, no, I'm joking. joking. <laughs> we don't build it on good coffee. We don't build it on anything else. We build it on being in Jesus, right? So Peter has this revelation that we are to be in Jesus. And Jesus said, on this rock, this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is speaking about the church. Not a church, the church. And he's saying the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. That's what he's saying here. Second instance, and I'm, I'm differentiating here, the one I would call the church, the church globally. But the second one he speaks about a church. So Matthew 18 verse 17, out of the same book, Speaking about church discipline here, if a brother sins against you, a brother or sister sins against you, Matthew 18 puts out the steps for what you are to do if someone keeps sinning against you. And he says, after you've done a couple of things, 
if he refuses to listen to you and the people that you've taken with you and all of those things, then tell it to the church. Now, they did not have the internet, so this does not mean put it on Instagram. It doesn't. Or put it on a church bulletin. It wasn't that. He was referring to a specific local body of believers saying, if this person does not repent, go in front of a congregation, a local church, tell it to them. It's a biblical concept. Some of you have never thought about this because it just you've just all assumed you give yourself to the local church, and some of you have, but it's good that we get on the same page, and sometimes you get words for things that you've not even thought about. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. We'll see there's other scriptures that basically say, put that person outside of the church. Now, you cannot be put outside of the church if you were never inside of the church. Amen? Good theology, right? I'm just guessing. (laughs) I'm just basically guessing. To be out of the church, to be put out, you first need to be put in. So Jesus uses the word twice. One is to say there's the church, and one is to say there's a church. And I believe what Jesus wants is for every single person to firstly become part of the church. He wants every person, the Bible teaches us, every person to be saved. If you're sitting here and you are not in a relationship with Jesus, if you're living your own life, if you're doing your own thing, you sort of know about Him, but you haven't surrendered it all to Him, He wants you firstly to become part of the church. The beautiful church, without borders, can never be crushed. It's everywhere. It's it's like something we all have in common is, is salvation in Jesus. He wants you to be that. But I believe there is not supposed to be a divide because every single Christian is then automatically also to give themselves to the second instance of Ecclesia, also to be given to the local. I'm going to look at that in a moment, but to give in to the local. Acts 2 verse 47, I think it brings these two together so well. This is not Jesus speaking anymore. The word church gets used a lot by other authors as well. And I think here it brings it together so beautifully. And it says, And the Lord added to their number, meaning this church, to their number day by day those who were being saved. Just pause there. It's interesting how this says, the Lord added to their number daily, right? It's not like, oh, I'm going to go to church, I'll be part of this church. You can be in this church, but not really part of this church. You can be here, but unless the Lord has added you, you're not really part. Meaning if you are not here and you are saved, you are a born-again individual, then you are only visiting here, but you are not part here. But the time needs to come where the Lord adds you, and the Lord adds you through salvation. But then it says they were added to their number, meaning if, for something to be numbered, you have to number it. <laughs> it's profound preaching today. <laughs> the church global cannot be numbered. It is without number. But the church local can be numbered. We can know there's 200 people here today or how many ever. We can know that. We can number that. So God takes you in salvation and then you adds you to a number. You're not just a number. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but you adds you to a local body of believers. And I just think there's something in me that cries out for people who are saved and they're passionately loving God or they want to love God, but they don't understand that you will never love God like you're supposed to unless you are given to the local. 
You'll never experience the blessing that God has for every person part of the universal church, the blessings of Christ, unless you give yourself to the local. We need to do that. And that is a practical, the one, as I said, is in your heart, it's theoretical. The other one is super practical. Now, I can, I can say that I love my brother, but when I come to a place like this and he steps on my toe, then I need to test whether I love my brother. <laughs> it's a bad example. Steals my Coke. What? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, it gets tested when we are actually around people. So, it's like I'm arguing for something that is actually supposed to be so plain, but I think society has taught us, taught us like, nah, you want to be part of a church? Nah, maybe find one that suits you. Go there while it suits you. But that's not what it's supposed to be like. It's totally different. It's not supposed to be like that. I want to solidify this point of the local church a little bit more uh, before, before going on. If we are not given to the local church, if you are not plugged into a local church fully, then I want to say there's portions of your Bible that you can just go rip out and throw away. Because you'll never be able to apply those scriptures unless given to the local church. It's a scary thought. There's some Christians who have not given themselves, and I think they are, they are distorted Christians. Some of them really, I've got family members that I know really love the Lord, but there's, there's portions of their Bible that's just not applicable to them. And I would love the full Bible to be applicable to me because it was specifically written for the local church and to be played out in the local church. I'm going to say, firstly, and we did look at this, any scripture that speaks about church discipline you can rip out of your Bible because church discipline can only happen within the local church. You know how many churches in the world actually do church discipline anymore? It's a biblical concept. It's something in the Bible. It's not nice. I hate it, but it's for redemption. It's not for punishment. It's for redemption. But there's very few churches in the world that still apply church discipline. You know why? Because we're not like the first 300 years. The first 300 years, if you were part of the church and you were put out of the church then you couldn't go to any other local church because you were totally put out. Everyone was fully committed, fully given. Today, like people think, why would I do church discipline? Because I tell him not to be with us anymore than he goes to the church down the road. It's as simple as that. But that time, if you were put out of the church, you were put out of Christ to a big extent because being in Christ was being in the church. Um, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1 to 2 and 4 to 5 it is actually reported that there is sexually, sexual immoral, immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. It's like, it's heinous sin speaking here. And it's not just the sin. All of us have sin, right? Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. All of us have sin, right? <laughs> but it's the arrogance about the sin that's the issue here predominantly. It's when our sin comes to a point where we are not convicted about it anymore and we say, I will go on as I want. It's the arrogance. You are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. You can only be removed if you were first part. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, again, when you come together, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to, live, to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. You're in Stellenbosch, we've had one church discipline case. It was horrible. But my trust is still that as that happened, as we handed that person over, 
that they would realize what it's like to be cut off from the people of God and come back repentant. That's always hard. But this proves not only the local church, it also is something that we can throw away if we don't believe in the Lord. Then large parts of the Bible you should actually throw away. The book of Romans was addressed to a specific church. Chuck it away if you're an individual. It was written to a church. It was specifically written to the church in Rome. First and Second Corinthians written to a church. Galatians written to a church. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. First and two Thessalonians. First and two Timothy to an elder of a church. To be applied in a church. Titus, Revelation written to seven churches. These are letters written to churches. You can basically chuck most of the New Testament. If you were not part of a local church in that time, you would not have received the letter that was meant for you. <laughs> if they had our theology today, yes, this word of God would not have reached them. Today we're like, no, if I don't go to church, I listen on YouTube. <laughs> but actually that's not the art. The art is that we would give in to the local because there's a specific message that God has for the local out of the word of God. Once you're given here, then God will walk a road with you, with the people around you. You're an individual, but you are part of the greater whole as well. Any scripture about leadership and submission, you can chuck out of the Bible. And the safety in submission and leadership, I even want to say. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. If you don't give yourself to the local, then no one is over you in the Lord. No one labors among you. Um, and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourself. First Peter 5 verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. This is written to an elder. Now the Bible says this seriously to me. I, as an elder of the Lord Jesus Christ, need to shepherd the flock who is among me. I cannot shepherd a loose affiliation of people. I need to know who is among me. Who have given themselves here? Who has the revelation that this is where God has added them because then I can walk with them? Does this make sense to you guys? I cannot apply this scripture if we don't have a revelation of it. Um, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Uh, and not under shameful gain, but eagerly. Anyway, and then all of the things like you see today about functioning as called by God. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, you cannot function in many of the gifts the Bible says if you are not part of a local church. They are written not to be applied in the streets, but to be applied when the church comes together. What then, brothers, when you come together, we read this earlier, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. I mean, Cornet could have gone to do that in Akerstadt Mall. It would not have had the effect that it had today. <laughs> it couldn't, but when it comes into the church and there's an awe of God that is present, then God speaks to us through people bringing their gifts to the local church. Let all things be done for the building up. So where am I actually taking this? <laughs> so I want to lay down theology because we are, this is going to get really practical really soon, okay? This is laying down theology. I, I would love you if you're sitting here See, when we classify the church, many times we sort of break it up into unbiblical defini definitions. We do it, I'll, I mean, with good intentions, but it's, it's not as God would have it. It's not the ideal as God would have it. When we as elders sometimes speak of the church, we speak about a couple of, a couple of groups. We speak about visitors. That's great. 
I see that in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians, a visitor would come in, but the idea is then they would get saved and then they would be part. But visitors, we speak about some weird thing called regular attenders sometimes, whatever that is. It's people that come regularly, but they're not, they're not members, they're not part. Well, look at a scripture now. And then we speak about those who are members, those who have really given themselves. I think the only thing that we really want biblically is members, actually. It's those who have seen it and have given themselves to a local church. If this is not the church for you, we are not the perfect church. We're striving towards health. We're not the perfect church, but somewhere you need to be given to the local. And that is the ideal. That's what we want. We want to move towards a place where people say, hey, guys, hey, elders, I'm here. I see the scriptures. I understand the scriptures. I'm giving myself. I'm not just a visitor. I'm not just a regular attender. I want to be a member, meaning I want to be part. I'm going to look at a scripture now. A member, according to the Bible, is like a hand or a foot or an eye. That's what the Bible speaks about as a member. I want to be part of this body, the universal body, but the local body as well. I want to be part of it. That's what I'm trusting for if you're sitting here that it will not be haphazard, that you will not come when you feel like it, not come when you feel like it, but that you would give yourself. I want to say, like, everyone can't be here every Sunday or every Wednesday. That's totally understandable. But if you really part, then normally what I do is I, I let people know. Actually, I had to do that at my sweat classes. <laughs> How much more to your family? How much more to your spiritual family will you... Will you say, I'm so part that I'll even let you know when I can't make it. And I will try my best to be there. How much more? Oh, we need to guard in our hearts. I think that's where the prophetic words come. Submissive hearts. Even though I don't understand it, I will give myself. I really want to ask you that we would, we would come to this place. So 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12, speaking about this thing of members, being a member. For just as one body... Is one, is, as the body is one, and as many members, parts, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Speaking about everyone playing their parts, everyone being a part of the body, and then it goes to speak about the local church. God wants you to be a member of a local church, a part of a local church, one that has given themselves. You can't be a kiri. That's not what God is asking you can't be a shoe that's just attached to it while it's comfortable and then gets taken off or a hat. He's not saying that. He says, be a nose, be an ear, be an eye. That's what I want you to be. <laughs> don't be uh, whatever, a paraphernalia. I don't know what it is. Something you attach to the side. <laughs> be part of the building. Don't be part of the scaffolding that builds the building, you know? That's what I think it really means to be a member of the body, and I think that's what God is calling each one of you for. And if you give yourself to that, I'm telling you, there will be a revelation of the beauty of God and the beauty of His church that you've never seen before. <laughs> I remember when I went to study theology, I don't know why I went to study theology, because I said the last thing I want to do is be an elder or a pastor, because then I have to sit and listen to old people complain every day. That's what I thought. <laughs> And then I, got, I came to a church that was a healthy New Testament-seeking church, and I fell in love with it. And I'm like, oh, my aunt, I want to give my everything to this. It's Jesus' body manifesting itself on earth. That's what I want to be part of. And I think some of you have just not seen it. You haven't tasted it. It's beautiful. There's the scripture I'm thinking about saying whatever you give up in this life, Jesus will give you a hundredfold more. And it speaks about family 
and houses and different things. You've only got one house. You've only got one salary. You've only got one fridge. Give yourself to the local and you've got 200 fridges. <laughs> if we understand it. <laughs> got 200 bank accounts. <laughs> and I'm not going to abuse it. <laughs> I've got 200 bank accounts. <laughs> I've got 60 cars. How many ever? Because lots of you don't have cars. <laughs> it's like I give up in this life something saying, Lord, my life is not my own. I'm given to your people. But God gives you new spiritual family more than you ever had before. Come on. That's what God wants for us. He does. But we need to see it in the Bible and then we need to live it out. Your Christianity will be deficient if you don't live it out. If you're a haphazardly part of the local church, you will never see the beauty of the local church. So what am I asking? Last week we had a challenging message. I said that we are going to go through something called This Is Church for the next 12, basically 12 weeks. There's a few gaps in between. And what we're basically doing is we're going through what our old in Josh Chen membership course was all about. If you wanted to become part of Josh Chen, then this is the course you would watch and we would tell you what we believe. You would get to know us, we would get to know you, and we decide, like, are we going to walk this road together? It's like I tease. It's like when, when a guy or a girl, uh, when Rinas and Martelis, when they, when they dated, they, it's like all fun and games. All of his jokes are funny because she doesn't know him yet. and <laughs> It's all funny, and he thinks she's beautiful, but he hasn't seen the pimple here at the back of her shoulder that no one else sees. Like, he hasn't seen those things. It's all fine and dandy. But then at some stage, you need to sit down and say, okay, let's, let's just get to know each other. Do you want to have children? Because I do. Do you want to adopt? Because I don't. Do you, how many cars should we have? What type of job? Are we going to, you have to have those conversations. What do you believe about marriage? What do you believe about church? All of those things to decide, do we want to give ourselves to each other? Same thing with the local church. The Bible actually says, when you join a church, it says, consider your leaders, look at the outcome of, the, of their ways, and I think that's the first thing we need to do before joining. There's a thing, I look at the leaders of the church, I look over their shoulders to see what they've built, the fruits of their lives and the fruits of the church's life, before I say I want to give myself. So a lot of you, I think, are still in a dating phase with us, and it's lacquer. <laughs> it's so lacquer. But when you get married, oh my at. Even more lacquer. <laughs> but sometimes it's difficult because when you're married, you can't run away. You can't say, oh, I'm going to go sleep at my own house now. No, no, no. You get in that bed with that person. <laughs> Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. You sit there until the sun comes up the next morning before you leave. <laughs> like that is what it is to be married and... And I think being given to the local church, we have to come to a place of like, let's just chat about these things. Let's see what you guys believe about church, about finances, about church discipline, about the role of men and women. Let's see what you believe before I give myself and you give yourself to me. Let's just see. So this is church is a course that we're going to be running for the next 12 weeks on Wednesday evenings with a few gaps in between. And I think it's a difficult thing. It doesn't happen in society that people call you to say, please commit to this. But I want to ask you today, if you want to decide to really give yourself to this local church, or if you're considering it, that you would commit to the next 11 weeks to say, I will be there every Wednesday evening. That's a big ask, eh? 
I wanted to almost see, couldn't we do a sign-up to say, sign up if you, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to ask you, would you try your very best to be there so that you can learn what we're all about? If you missed it on a Wednesday, not that Sunday, the next Sunday, we will do a catch-up, but we prefer not even doing the catch-up. And all of these things will be communicated to you, but we prefer if, if you hear and you're thinking you want to give yourself that you, would, that you would come on a Wednesday, if you're not in a community, that you'd go visit and join a community for this time, but that you would give yourself to that. We're going to go through things. Who was at this Wednesday evening? Some of you. It was good, eh? It was so good hearing those things. I want to say this one will still let it slide in a sense because I, I haven't, um, we haven't solidified it as much. But I want to ask you to really, really try your best to be there. And this is what I want to ask you to do as a practical application to this message. Firstly, there's a couple of things. Firstly, if you are not part of the church of God globally, meaning you've not given your life to him, in a moment, I want to give you an opportunity. Oh, my, I need to be at the United Church in four minutes. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Godfrey will land it just now. <laughs> I'll need to, and I need a lift. <laughs> I'm still figuring this thing out. So one day I'll be at one at a time, but tonight I'll still be at both, right? <laughs> but, um, yes, how did that go? time flew now. <laughs> but anyway, so, so firstly, we'll give you an opportunity. If you want to make right with God, if you want to give your life to God, that is how you become part of the church. But then you need to decide whether you want to be given to a local church. If it's not this one, then find another one. Honestly, then we've got extra seats here for those who, anyway. <laughs> no, but then check us out and decide. Make sure where you want to give yourself, but then give yourself there and then thirdly, for those who are thinking they want to join here, please can I ask you to commit to the next few weeks. Um, so I'm just going to quickly read you the dates, and we'll send this through on our groups. And I want to ask you to speak to your community leader and say, I can commit to this or I can't commit to this. Can I do it next time? Okay, Is that, are you with me? We'll send this to you. I'm not going to, we'll post all of these things. But the next few ones that we're going to do, Healthy Church we just did. This Wednesday, we're going to look at Jesus' answer to the world is church. We're going to look, take a, a break, then look at the apostolic. The next week, look at accountability, then look at f worship, then look at finances, look at why the church exists, look at church discipline, look at headship in the church, and then there's three that's still being recorded, okay? So there's three of those things. I'm going to hand over to Godfrey. I'm going to shoot to the United Church. So, but why don't you stand? Worship team can come forward. Alrighty, so that, that was an incredible word that just came from Leonard, um, but I don't want us to get distracted now. I know that he has to leave, um, but I just really want us to just take a moment right now to really allow this word in a sense to come and simmer into our hearts. And I was just reminded again when Leonard was preaching, you know, it says that in James, um, you know, that when we, we have obviously called to be doers of the word, not just to be hearers of the word. I mean, first of all, that was an incredible word. And I mean, there's so many things just in my own heart that I'm like, oh, it's an aina. Just need to rethink it again. Just need to check my heart again. Uh, but here's the thing, that is not good enough. You know, what the world 
actually the word that would, would call us to right now is, it says that if you are, you know, in a sense, a man that sees the word or that reads the word and not obey the word, you are like someone who actually looks, looks at themselves in a mirror. And then when you walk away, you immediately forget what you look like. But we are called to apply this word. We are called to obey this word. And I think even the, I think it feels like God actually set us a trap, you know, like with the prophetic words. To say, is your heart really submitted to me? So I know that tonight Leonard is the one that preached, but I really feel like the Lord spoke to us. It really, really feels like the Lord spoke to us. And I want to ask and say, are we going to respond to what God has just said to us? So I'm going to ask all of us in here just to close our eyes. I don't want to put anyone on the spot to, to make this a show or anything like that. We don't want to make it a show. So I am going to first start with the first group of people. As Leonard said, you can't be you know, even a part of the global church if you're not part of a local church. And the scripture teaches us, it says that it's actually God's heart that everyone would come to the knowledge of who He is. And simply said, it just means that Jesus wants a relationship with you. Seeing the church for what it is and how beautiful it is and how God would put us in something so precious, something that He loves so much, I want to say tonight that it's His desire that you too in here, if you're not part of that, that you would be part of that. And the way that you become part of that is in Romans, it said, if we confess with our mouths and we believe with our hearts, you know, then we will be saved. So I want to ask you, if you are right now in this space and you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you know tonight in your heart you're saying, man, I want to be part of this thing. I want to be part of the church. That's the way that you become part of the church. If you tonight say, God, I'm raising my hand. I'm opening up my heart. I'm confessing with my, with my mouth. I'm believing with my heart that Jesus is Lord. Then you will be saved and added to us as a church. So as I said once again, with every eye closed, I want to say, if that is you tonight, would you just kindly... I'm not going to call you to the front or put you on any spot. I promise you. Would you kindly, where you're standing right now, would you slip up your hand? So just keep it right there. Thank you for those hands. Just keep it right there. Just keep it right there. We don't want this moment to slide. We don't want to, you know, just move on too quickly or just move forward. We want to give an opportunity right now. So if that is you right now and... Sometimes how you know it is your heart right now is probably beating faster than normal. You know, there's a, you know, probably like a, a sense, you know, like in your body that, man, this is different. What's happening to my body? Maybe that's the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. I mean, it could be something else as well. But it could be the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart tonight. So I want to give one more opportunity. If you are in here and you say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that I know that I don't know Him. I'm not in a relationship with Him. But tonight, I want to be a part of His family. Please just slip up your hand. So can I ask that just one of our our leaders will just, uh, please just. uh, So someone will come to you. If you raise your hand, someone will come to you and they will pray with you and just explain to you what just happened right now. Um, they'll take your number and we want to make sure that we do this right. You know, that we explain to you actually what is this thing that you just did. What is this decision that you just made right now that just changes, you know, the trajectory of your life. 
So the Bible says that every single time that when a believer comes home or when an unbeliever comes home, someone that was lost, who doesn't know God, when they say, yes, Jesus, I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to be in a relationship with you. The, so the scripture in, in the Godfrey translation, it says, the heavens go berserk. You know, they, they, I mean, there's a party going on because of that one soul that just came in. So I want us, before we move on, to just maybe take a couple of moments to just rejoice and to just celebrate. And, and here's what we're celebrating. I want to explain it to you. Someone right now has just been moved from the kingdom of darkness into God's marvelous light. Someone, that's, that's amazing. That is incredible. just need to be reminded of that that someone right now just moved from death into life that's incredible someone right now was blind but now they can see because of what Jesus has done for us guys I know that sometimes when you journey with God and we've known him for for a couple of moments or for a few months these things become complacent you know it just becomes a thing but we need to rejoice of that, that someone right now just got saved that's incredible news that is amazing and we need to celebrate that so father right now once again we just want to come before you god and so we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your grace we thank you for your kindness god we thank you that you would be so merciful to us god that you would draw out of darkness out of death lord into life into your light jesus so god we just want to rejoice to and say thank you for your mercies once again god oh lord you are faithful you are faithful, Jesus. So the second thing that I would like to do tonight is that there's a second group of people in here. And this is not to condemn you or to put a, you know, just some heavy thing on you. But you would know who you are. As Leonard said, we can't look into your heart. We don't know what's happening in your heart. But there's some of us here that if you would be honest with yourself tonight, you would say, Man, I'm struggling to be part of this thing called local church. I'm not submitting myself to this thing as I should. I'm not in it with both legs as I should. And tonight, I want to make a decision once and for all to say, God, I am all in. That whatever you want, whatever you would want to call me tonight, I am all in and I want to be part of your kingdom fully. So I want to say without, I, I actually don't want to put anyone on the spot. As I said, I don't want anyone to be condemned. So I'm going to ask, can we all just in here, just a new, make that fresh commitment in our hearts to say, God, we are all into this thing. We don't want to be into it 50%, but all of us, all of who we are, God, our finances, every single thing, we want it to be a part of this thing. So I want to say, if that is you, I want, I want to pray for all of us. I'm definitely part of that. So if that is you, can you just simply, where you are, just raise your hand. Just in a, in a sign or symbol of your submission. Okay, I know that, you know, so, sometimes we struggle with these things. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's just hands that we're raising up. It's just a symbol to say, God, we want to be in this thing fully, rightly. We don't want to condemn anyone. We don't want anyone to feel like, ah, oh, man, there's something wrong with me. But if you know that you want to be part of this thing, 
just just slip your hands up so father we just want to come right now lord and we want to say that we want to give ourselves fully to your church we want to give ourselves fully to you god we want to give ourselves fully to your bride god Lord, would you just once again give us a revelation of the beauty of being part of a, of a local church. God, I pray once again, would you just open up our hearts, Lord God, to see how beautiful this thing is. God, and tonight I just want to pray for specific people tonight, Lord, who have been hurt in the local church. And where, Father, that has caused them to close their hearts to say, I don't want to be part of this thing anymore. God, I pray tonight, would you come and heal. God, I pray, would you come and restore those hearts. God, I pray, would you come in your way, Father, just come and once again draw those, those hearts closer to you, God. Would you once again place those hearts into your local church, Father, into your people tonight. I pray that each and every single one of us right now that are raising our hands, Father, that we will see a fresh new revelation of what it looks like to be part of the bride of Christ, God. To see its beauty, to see its glory. Father, I know that, yes, there will be times, God, where it's not so lacking. There will be times where it's really difficult, God. There will be times when we are offended. Lord, there will be times when people hurt us. There will be times, Father, when we are broken. But I pray, Father, even in those times, would you help us to lean into this thing? Would you help us, Father, to commit ourselves fully to it, to say, even if right now it's not so fun and it's not so lacquer, I still want to lean in and I still want to sort out whatever it is so that I may remain part of this thing called church.